Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. This morning on the third hour of today, a start today love story. Meet the couple that's logging serious miles together, turning their walks into a full-time job. Plus, our series Food for Thought, the farm that's helping people grow, how they're bringing an entire community together. And then we're going to go behind the brand when we meet the Stacy who created Stacy's Chips, the entrepreneur who turned her idea into a supermarket staple. That's all I had today, Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. And a good morning to you. Welcome to this third hour of today. This is Craig. This is Chanel. Morning. This is Dylan. Uh, Mr. Roker continues his recovery, but thank you so much for being with us on this Thursday morning, December 22nd, uh-huh. uh, which means happy belated birthday to my mother. Uh-huh. Betty Jo had her birthday What's yesterday, twenty first. Twenty first. Okay. Happy nice. birthday, mom! It also means that if you have not sent out your holiday cards, um, they're probably not going to make it in time for Christmas. You know what? Point. Just in case, I put Happy Holidays. You because, should put Happy New Year. Well, <laughs> I thought this year. I thought I, last year I did. What a year it's been! You know, I always find a way. So here's the thing: according to the uh, Greeting Card Association, nearly 1.6 billion. Holiday cards are purchased every year. So we wanted to talk about this. What do you guys do with your holiday cards that you get? Because you get a slew of them. So I get them and I start hanging them on the door, like the door of my apartment. Yes. And I see them all and I tape them up and it's exciting. What was the date that you received one? Like how early? Jenna Bush's holiday I was just card. about to say that. Jenna was, was first like, this it came year. in November. JBH sent her card so early this year that I saw her in the hallway, and I, I chastised her. Not I only- reprimanded <laughs> I reprimand her because that puts a lot of pressure on people. It does. Yes. And not only was Jenna's on time, it it's nice. like the nicest card you've ever seen yeah. like, it was a beautiful in life. Card. Yeah. Every year, she like raises the bar. Yeah. Next it year, it'll like, fly stamps. into the mailbox. Like It's like It gold. takes two stamps to, to mail. Right. What do you do with the cards you get? Um, besides Jenna's that I put up and have right. angels. She, she's not checking her mail. Uh, yeah, no. Um, no, we put them as soon as you walk in my house. Yeah. We have like a little round table. Yeah. We put them on the table. Well, yeah. Nice. I do yeah, like to display them. What about so you? So I find it difficult when, when people send cards that are two-sided. Yeah. Yes. Because then I can't decide which side Do you want the family display. or the children? <laughs> exactly. How do you decide who gets a card and who does not get a card? Ooh. If you send me a card, you'll get a card. Okay. That's like, I, I keep a running list. But then like friends, family, people I work with, I mean... Do you ever get a card and you don't know who it oh, is? Oh, every year. I guess, every year. A lot of people, the adults don't feel like taking pictures, so you put your kids on them. Mm-hmm. And yes. So- and what's even worse sometimes is, if I don't know who the person is, sometimes Lindsay, Lindsay will know. Right. But like every year, there are two or three cards. It's like, who? And it, like, it turns into days. And we start yeah. Googling. And, Where do because, you put yours? Um, similar to what you do, Lindsay, years ago, when we first got married, created this contraption that's like a stick. And you, like, it's like them. ribbons hang from the stick. That's nice. That's she cool. uses clothespins to like, and so you walk in and you're like, wow. Nice. What do you do at the end of the season? all these people that we don't, that we don't talk to. <laughs> do you toss them at the end of the I season? Know, I don't the know the what thing. to do. We keep the ones from people that we like. 
And then we we tossed the ones. Craig, you can't say that. I can. I'm being honest, but we keep. Nobody knows, right? I don't know if I'm in the tribe. You're in the state pile. You're in the state pile. But I mean, honestly, you're not in my state pile. I wouldn't expect to be. Because that's not what the holidays is about. It's not about getting. It's about giving. So I'll continue to give. Although what I appear to continue to get is not Christ-like. You know what what I did, though? I overestimated how many cards I needed. So last year I ordered too many, and I just found my box of old cards. What do you do with those? I can't throw them out because I've got my kids' pictures on them. But it's like 50 extra cards in my kids' face. You don't want to throw them away. So there's also a writer, the writer for today.com, says that they have sent holiday cards for every year for the past 17 years, and now they've decided it's time to stop. The writer says that the recipients of the cards have seen her family grow in terms of kids, even a dog. But now, because of a divorce, she feels like she needs to stop sending the cards, but says she would still like to get cards from, from other people. Wow. What is the end game with that, Christmas cards? Because the reality is, I know. But you know, that is a, this is a topic. Because right. yeah, the reality is, I is. love your Christmas cards now because I can see your kids. Right. 20 years from now, <laughs> when I don't need to like see you. I don't, need to, I don't see. need to see your kids. Right. As adults That's and, a really fair question. Especially <laughs> if we're not working together anymore. Right. It's like, why is this Dylan keep sending me her family? <laughs> Where's Calvin? He's got great He's still cooking with his mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Calvin's <laughs> cooking with Bob in college. Come on, I'm coming, I'm coming. Uh, look at the um, zucchini bread Calvin made last year. We'll have moved on from zucchini bread by then, I hope. Oh, what? What do you play? But no, really and truly. <laughs> Wait, can we have this conversation? I'm sorry. This I'm is sorry. a good topic. Okay. When do you stop? Well, I don't think you should ever stop. And I also think if you are single, yeah. you should also be able to have a card. I have so many single. <laughs> No, no, I'm not la- but I mean, I'm laughing at him. No, so your single friend sends you a Christmas card. I think you should. Uh, yes, you know single with their picture. <laughs> well, yeah, the, you know what they question. usually use? What? They, they're with the dog. <laughs> but if they don't have a pet, <laughs> don't like, stop laughing. This is for real. And just so you know, whoever you are, I see you. Yes, yeah, so I see you too. Um, but, <laughs> but what do they send? You can do it with your dog. You have I have a year. friend. Exactly. I have a girlfriend who travels a lot. So it'll be like, oh, let's see where she went this year. Okay. And then one year, there'll be a man on it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, God. All right. You know Poor what? Poor woman. We should, we should, yeah. 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 We're going to move on now and talk about, we're going to go so from hot. card giving to gift giving. Okay. Uh, because there was this survey that, Al used to make this look so easy. He used to make this look real easy. There, there was this survey that was commissioned by a company called Avocado Green Mattress. Okay. It's a real company. And it found that when it comes to gift giving, 62% of the 2,000 people that were surveyed said they are trying to be the best gift giver in the family. They've turned mm. gift giving into a competition. 24% of the people the that problem. were polled said that their, their biggest competition is mom. Because mm. mom knows everyone inside oh, and out. That's like, true. Do you try to outgift? Um, I try to come up with something creative. You do. Like, I try to think... What? You strike me as the outgifting type. She is. Um, Let me tell you something. Well, Last year, Dylan got the best gift ever. What? Dylan got holiday wreaths for the team. <laughs> no. They you want to talk about these wreaths again? You want to talk about these wreaths? We haven't talked about them Oregon. America. They were beautiful. Fresh from a farm. They were beautiful. They came in a nice big box, and you open it up, and it's like you're wafted with pine so trees. berries in them. Yes. And so here's the thing. People give nice gifts yeah. to you, right, Jenna? It's always monogrammed, whatever. So Dylan was like, I got them this year. Yes. Yeah. I thought of the perfect gift. Yeah, I good. Do you know what happened when she gave everybody the wreath? Crickets. Crickets. (laughs) Nobody nobody said anything. Because apparently, no one got the gift. 
Because you, I, I got, you got yours. Chanel got it. I, it was Savannah, beautiful. Savannah got it. Yeah, and I did. And but that was it. I never got a thank you from you. I, Meanwhile, I didn't know that the, you wait, thought wait, wait. I was a terrible person for not even giving a gift. Right, I didn't get the gift. So we both are thinking we're both awful people. <laughs> Awful's harsh. Awful, awful Rude. harsh. Yes. You just um, thought because we moved, so I'm thinking maybe you sent me to the old address. Yes, I said other people, Willie's to an old address. He didn't like, respond. He didn't. What about Al? Roker always responds. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, don't. no. And here's what's even funnier about this. She has held this oh. in her heart since last for Christmas. A year. We do a radio show off the rails, and Dylan brought it up randomly. Like, yeah. it's been in there for a year. She's like, why didn't you send me a thank you card <laughs> for the Christmas wreath that I spent well, $200 on last year? Why wouldn't you say thank you for that? From Oregon. It was from Oregon. My sister-in-law sends it to me every year, and I thought this would be a really special gift to give everybody. So now I'm going back to olive oil. So. <laughs> Get ready for your olive oil. I remember the olive oil from two years ago. It's nice. I, I, I enjoyed oh, that. But it's coming from a special place. Oh. Because we went to Italy this year. Oh. See, again, we went to a winery slash olive oil farm. farm. Okay. And I have I shipped a whole bunch of the olive oil and wine from this special winery. you got to get them this year. Do you, have, do you try to no. outgive with No. Do you? With, with, with. Parents, I like to make sure, you know, I like to try to give a nice gift to, oh, to my parents. Oh, you to your parents. I thought you yeah, meant with, like, yeah. everybody else. No, Here's no. A home. I give gift cards half the time. Yeah, but for Shut your mom. No. <laughs> for your mom, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. But, but, I mean, siblings and... No. It's hard for siblings. I've got, like, we're like the Brown Brady Bunch. Like, we have, I have a lot of siblings. So, so you don't give them anything? We, try, we draw names. And I recommend that. If you have big families, draw a but name. But people have to stick to it. You have to Don't draw to a it. name and then also buy a little something yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, like, that's true. We need to Don't follow you. the gift-giving rules. We just solve world peace this morning. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, coming up, if we come back yeah. uh, in our series start today, a couple that took on their own walking challenge. And y'all won't believe how many miles they have logged together. Awesome. And then a little bit later, Dad's got this professional baseball player who shared his pride on the playing field and the special bond that he shares with his dad, who just so happens to also be his coach. Third hour of today, right back after this. Awesome. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
2022 was a big year for our Start Today community. Our walking challenge helped thousands of people take the steps to improve their health and fitness. And a few months ago, Al caught up with a married couple who took walking to another level, logging serious miles together. The ability to get outside and to be physically active during this time was frankly indispensable for our emotional health. Mike Varley and Jesse Hyatt of Brooklyn, New York, had always made a hobby out of getting their steps in. We decided to walk from San Diego to LA, which is 120 miles. We did the length of Vermont, and we went from the Pacific Ocean to Olympia, Washington. But during the COVID-19 pandemic, they stepped up their game. I pitched to Jesse this crazy idea that we walk five marathons a week for one calendar year around New York City. Driven by a desire to challenge themselves mentally and physically, the couple began walking 26.2 miles a day, multiple times a week, starting in June 2020. I have been working in the fashion and textile industry. She had her business and still uh, managed to walk three days a week, and uh, I walked the five days a week for the one calendar year. Mike leaving his job at a video game company to dedicate himself full-time to the project. Before they hit the pavement, the two spending 18 months planning everything from their routes to meals to their outfits. This was a full-time job. How did you financially support yourselves? When I worked at the video game company, a large portion of my responsibility was tracking the budget. I have some good spreadsheet skills. Part of the 18 months was making sure that we saved up enough money to do this comfortably. So, to take me through a typical walk. The average day was nine and a half hours. And the first three months, what we were doing was hitting every neighborhood in New York City. And uh, after we started doing a bunch of themed walks, we did one that was famous Brooklyn female vocalists and the high schools they went to, uh, which was great. It really ran the gamut. Over the course of the year, Mike and Jesse logged 7,000 miles, documenting their journey on their YouTube channel and podcast. They say the benefits went well beyond calories burned. If I have a slight pain in my calf, that will go away. If I have that thought that's really making me feel nervous or uncomfortable, that will also go away. And it really was interesting just how the physicality of it um, mirrored and paralleled the mental um, experience. So how, how did you guys change physically? I think I lost somewhere between 15 and 20 pounds, something that was uh, the most affirming for me was that I still had like a little bit of uh, belly fat going on at the end of the, the whole thing. If you're walking 7,000 miles and you still have a little bit of belly fat, uh, maybe your body's okay. You know, like my body is what it is. The walks pushed Jesse and Mike to make discoveries about themselves and each other. I have the ability to conquer challenges and, and know that difficult experiences won't be forever. I learned that I'm definitely with the right person. This project was so special to us and so important. So we ended up inviting our friends and family to join us for parts of our final marathon. And we got married in Marine Park at the very end of the marathon. It was honestly one of the best days of my life. What would you say to somebody who's thinking, I'd like to do something like this? It's just one step at a time. It doesn't need to be 26.2 miles each day. That is extreme. You can walk around your block. It could be one mile a day. It's just getting out and feeling the air and feeling the pavement or the grass under your feet. It 
such a game changer. It feels so good. Along the way, the couple sampled the New York staple bagels. Lots of them. <laughs> Mike took up They've a side. It. <laughs> right, exactly. Mike took up a side project, rating bagels across the city. By the way, he stopped at more than 200 different bagel stores. Can you imagine? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, right? yeah. Up next, and Dad's got this. Meet a professional baseball player who is is blazing a trail by showing his pride on the field, and his dad who's going to bat for his son every step of the way. Then a little bit later, some impressive young athletes. How some middle schoolers are using triathlons to train for the future. Third hour of today, right back after this. This morning on our series, Dad's Got This, a professional baseball player putting his pride on display. I recently sat down with a guy named Brian Ruby to find out about his journey and the support he's received from his longtime coach, who, oh, by the way, also happens to be his dad. Meet Brian Ruby, the only openly gay professional baseball player in the United States. Brian first came out publicly last season while playing independent baseball for the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes in Oregon. I decided that I'd come out to my teammates last season by lacing up with rainbow shoelaces during Pride Month. I considered it more like inviting in than coming out. Yep, this is who I am. You threw me one curveball though. (laughs) Brian's dad, John, whose last name the family would like to keep private, was Brian's high school baseball coach and as to be expected, has always been his son's biggest fan. When did you know that Brian was going to be the baseball player. Something clicked around six or seven, and he got passionate about baseball, and we were always on the baseball field. John had some success of his own on the diamond, playing Division One ball as a pitcher at the University of Pennsylvania, and then overseas in Australia. That experience led him to have some initial fears about his son's baseball career when Brian shared his plans to go public about his sexuality. In your heart of hearts, did you think it would change his opportunities? I was worried about how he would be perceived in that world. There were a million things running through my mind, but what I wanted him to know in that moment was, I'm good, and you're good. And he wasn't just good, he was great. After tying up his rainbow laces and coming out to his teammates in the public overall, Brian's batting average skyrocketed a full 90 points. So what was it like last season? I don't know if I'm going to get applauded when I run onto the field or if I'm going to be in the batter's box and get hit by a 93-mile-an-hour fastball in the head. The real thing that happened was I got a hit, you know, my first at-bat, and got on base and the pitcher tipped his cap and I just gave him a little tip back and that peer-to-peer on-field recognition was by far the most meaningful thing in the game of baseball. And Brian's not only talking openly about his own story, he's also co-founder of Proud to Be in Baseball, an organization that supports and advocates for ballplayers of all ages who are looking for gay mentors in the sport. Brian's work with Proud to be in Baseball has taken him around the country to attend Pride events at a number of MLB ballparks. In September of 2021, he was invited to sing the national anthem at Dodger Stadium. In addition to being a, a, quite, the, quite the baseball player, you're a, you're a budding country music star. 
I always loved country music and uh, I've been writing songs. I always have my guitar on the road during baseball, playing on the team bus. I mean, which do you enjoy more, baseball or, or country music? <laughs> I gotta be careful because the baseball coaches. No, no, you're good, <laughs> you're good. It sounds like you're it's good. neck and neck. Look, you can only be a baseball player for so long. It's true. I would imagine, Dad, you have to be quite proud. What I'm most proud about with Brian in general is he just goes for it. I mean, what do you want to see from your kids? You want to see them thrive. Yeah, I mean, you know that's a testament to good parenting, too. Uh, I and mean, that's what I hear. <laughs> so here's the thing. Since our story ran, mm -hmm. Out Magazine recognized Brian by adding him to their Out 100 oh, list. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Coming up, our series Food for Thought, a farm that's bringing the community together to grow something truly special. Then a little bit later, Jill's gonna meet the Stacy behind Stacy's Chips, and she's also gonna find out how she's trying to shake up the snack game again. We'll be right back. Cinnamon sugar, my We are back with our series, Food for Thought. We recently paid a visit to a very special farm that is about much more than growing fruits and veggies. Take a look. <laughs> That's the good stuff. Here in the fertile soil of Columbia, Maryland, the veggies are ripe. So this is the place where you want to pick it. That's us. The chickens are hungry. Oh, you got my finger. And the people are growing something special. This whole place is just so welcoming. I'll come out here and I'll find people immersed in like a really wonderful conversation or laughing together, helping each other. I think that's kind of where the magic happens. This is Freetown Farm, home of the Community Ecology Institute, a nonprofit founded six years ago by Kiara Diamor. The group aims to teach people about nature. Give it a tuck. You gotta tuck it in like you're putting it to sleep. And nurture their connections to each other. Our mission is to cultivate communities where people and nature thrive together. When the city's last working farm went up for sale in 2019, a seed was planted. Three years ago, we had the opportunity to purchase this space. We have been transforming it into a place of common ground for the community to come together. Its name, Freetown, honors the land's historical ties to the Underground Railroad. So this area that we're on right now is known as Freetown during that time in the mid-1800s. But Kiara says it also speaks to a different kind of freedom. When we come together and we're growing food and you know your neighbor and you feel like you have some skills that you could turn to when things get really rough, it's sort of creating a sense of like autonomy and freedom. When the pandemic shut down the world in 2020, Freetown Farm blossomed instead as a safe outdoor space. Everything that we have accomplished here was because people needed somewhere to go. They just needed to get out, and nature was calling them. I think I found a red one. Paula Bernal and her two sons are regulars here. They feel the connection with nature, they feel the connection with one another, and, and we just feel connected with the whole earth. We feel like part of something big. It's a feeling that spans generations. This place gives meaning to my life in my 89th year. I see this as promise. When I see children here having fun in it, they don't need electronics. They just have fun being in nature and they learn. Aside from the families who come here, the Institute has welcomed about a dozen other nonprofits to share the farm's six and a half acres. The county NAACP has a garden on site. So does HopeWorks, 
a local organization that supports domestic violence survivors. Our clients can come and meditate, journal, do yoga, uh, anything that's going to feed their spirit. It really does make a difference. Area leaders have taken notice with the county investing in the farm's preservation as well. Places like this are so important because not only do we need to make sure that we feed people's bellies, but we feed their souls. The farm also does twice weekly harvest for a local food bank and is turning the barn into a classroom and gathering space to further their message. It's more than gardening and ecology and environmentalism. It's connection, it's friendship, it's relationships, it's love. An idea thriving here. It makes it feel like home. That they hope will take root everywhere. I would love a world where this existed, at least in every town, but like really in every neighborhood. And so if we can help inspire that, then I would feel like we've done a lot of good. It's a good deal, and the mission is growing. The Community Ecology Institute has just taken over the care of a new six-acre property wow. just up the road from Freetown Farm. Wow. That's great. I'm That's glad good. the mission Yeah, growing. absolutely. All right, we are going to take a turn now to the story of an impressive sisterhood. Earlier this year, I found out about a program that's empowering young girls and improving their self-esteem by training them to be triathletes. I try, make a circle. On Foster Memorial Beach in Sag Harbor, New York, change is happening. And I want to see your best power pose. Middle school girls are feeling invincible, led by their very own superwoman, okay. Teresa Roden, fueling young girls' confidence through triathlon training with iTry. Push yourself today. That's what today is about. It all started in 2005. Teresa had just completed her first triathlon. I was never an athlete. I was last pick for every kickball game my entire elementary school career. When I first decided to do this race, I quickly realized that I couldn't continue to talk, have that internal dialogue that I had my entire life, that voice inside of me that said, you can't do this, you're too slow. With several triathlons under her belt, she looked at her middle school daughter and had a thought. We could empower girls at this age and give them all of the tools and the training and the love and support necessary to do a really big goal like doing a triathlon. It can change everything. The iTry program is now in more than 12 nearby public schools, offered free of charge. Starting in February, Teresa and her coaches train girls to be ready for their first youth triathlon in July. 11 to 14-year-olds swimming 300 yards, biking six miles, and running one and a half miles. When we empower them at that middle school age, 11, 12, 13, where they're so open to learning, we teach them that you can be, do, or have anything that you set your mind to. But this goes deeper than athleticism. The girls also train their minds through after-school empowerment sessions. We do lessons on things like affirmations and visualization and how to appreciate yourself and love yourself. We do a lesson on real beauty where we, we hand out geodes and they get to see that beauty is from the inside out. For 11-year-old Amina, iTry has shown her she can achieve more than she ever thought possible. At first, I didn't want to do it at all. I wanted to quit because who would want to do something like that willingfully? She came into the program not knowing how to ride a bike. I thought that biking just wasn't possible for me. I thought that my brain didn't work that way, but 
now that I can actually do it I, and I've reached all of those limits that I used to have, I'm so extremely proud of myself and now I know that I can reach any limit that I push myself to. For 11-year-old Tiffany, the choice to join iTry was simple. She wanted to do it for herself. When I wasn't in this program, I was lame, boring, always liked to play around. But when I got in this program, I stopped doing those things. I worked hard and to stand up for myself. Tiffany's already doing it. I feel like Superwoman, Wonder Woman. The program has had more than a thousand girls complete a triathlon. Some of the alumni even return as coaches, like Sofia Rodriguez, now a junior in high school. I feel like if I just give them little tips and let them know that I was in the same boat as them. I try, it's a little cheesy, but it's like a sisterhood because we're all together, we're all working towards the same goal. Team on three, one, two, three, team! Now in its 12th year, Teresa reflects on the success of the past while looking to the future. In this moment in time that we're living right now, especially for women and girls, there is not a better moment to be empowering young women who will be the future. They are our future. It's such a great community. And since our story aired, Amina, who we spoke to, she was published in a poetry book called Empowered. Her uh, poem was titled Confidence in Myself. And Tiffany is now taking up basketball. Both of them are returning next year to help the next generation of I Try Girls. The organization says they'll begin recruiting in January. What a that great is program. Really cool. What a great really program. Cool. Uh, when we come back, there's a good chance that you've snacked on her chips. So we're going to take you behind the brand, Stacy's Pita Chips, with Stacy herself to find out how she stumbled into that multi-million dollar idea. And we'll also take a look at her new creation. And then a little bit later, a different type of sommelier. We're going to meet some students who are breathing in knowledge when we go on the job in cannabis country. We'll be right back. This morning in our series, Behind the Brand, the woman who is the name in Pita Chips. Yes, today, lifestyle and commerce contributor Joe Martin Brooks recently chatted with the Stacy behind Stacy's Pita Chips. Measuring success is like the mission, the culture, and the revenue, right? So the mission is you get to do the right thing. The culture is you get to have fun doing it. And then the revenue is what you have to do in order to do number one and number two. Stacy Madison has been through it all. Married, divorced, had two kids on my own, um, breast cancer, you know, a lot of blips along the way. You know, I think as part of that journey, you really have to be, you have to be prepared. But Stacy's journey started with the chips. How does one get into pita chips? The pita chip company originally started on a food cart in downtown Boston, serving um, healthy sandwiches on pita bread. We always had this excess inventory, baked them up and into different flavored pita chips and gave them away for free to people standing in line. So Stacy started cooking up those pita chips in her sister's catering kitchen. There was no such thing as a pita chip factory, so we had to just get creative and build the machines and do all of that on our own. Back in the 90s, she and her then-husband focused all their attention on the chips. 
getting on shelves one local grocery store at a time. What started as a snack to keep customers happy while they waited in line for their sandwiches became Stacy's Pita Chips. And in 2005, sold to Frito-Lay for millions of dollars. When I say that, what goes through your mind? I saw you smirk a little bit, but that must be in your wildest dreams. That was my, you know, my firstborn in a sense. So, still very rewarding to see, you know, it on the shelf and to see how the company has grown. And Stacy isn't done. Wanting a place for health food foodies like herself to come together, she opened Stacy's Juice Bar near her hometown in Massachusetts. When the pandemic hit, though, she was forced to close the shop after just seven years. But it was at the juice bar, thanks again to extra inventory, that she came up with her latest idea, Be Bold Bars, a refrigerated snack made with ingredients like nut butters, chocolate chips, chia seeds, and oats. When you find a great product like that, like the product finds you almost. I think it's an interesting nuance that you have created the brand so that it is not next to all of the other bars. It's in a, literally, uh, a lane of its own. <laughs> the refrigerated piece of it is a hurdle because it's different distribution, it's different shelf space. Yes, we could have put stuff in it and gone into the bar aisle. That's not what we're about. And in order to get the word out there, this time around, she's taken to TikTok. It's a whole new ball game when you step outside of that bar aisle and um, it's a whole new ball game now with social media. I mean, look, you saw my TikTok. And throughout all her food ventures, Stacy's made it a family affair. Her twin daughters are now 18 years old. They don't think I'm the coolest at all. <laughs> they were very impressed when I went viral, though. What advice would you give other women or moms out there who are in a position where they want to do something but might feel a little stuck? When you get into a pool of cold water. You know, some people have two methods, right? You're gonna tiptoe to the edge and you're gonna get in slowly a little bit at a time. And then others, they're like, you know what? Just gonna jump. And sometimes you just have to jump. Mm, looks good. Thanks, Jill. All right, coming up next, we are going on the job in a budding industry. Find out what it takes to become a weed sommelier. We'll be right back. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. This morning, we are going on the job in a growing industry. That is for sure. The marijuana business is booming. And NBC News Now anchor Savannah Sellers found not all cannabis is created equal. She traveled to Northern California to meet some budding experts in the field. 
first open up that jar or package that it comes in, um, you get that aroma. It's usually one of the first things that comes to you. You know, how intense is that aroma? How layered? Deep in the Emerald Triangle of California's Humboldt County, a new kind of higher education. There's coffee cuppers, there's cigar catadors, there's master chocolatiers. That level of professionalism is needed in cannabis as well. Derek Gilman is the managing director of Gangier, a program that launched in 2020. Students trek into rural cannabis country to light up and learn the ins and outs of top-tier cannabis assessment, including former NFL running back Ricky Williams, who now goes by Eric Myron. I decided to walk away, and the story broke that famous football player quits to smoke weed, which is partially true. Now I'm a healer and astrologer and training to be a Gangier. What types of skills are you learning here? The main thing I'm learning is the perception of, of flavor, of taste, aroma, smell, and, and being able to, to decipher and, and appreciate these things. More than half of all U.S. states allow medical marijuana and recreational use is legal in 19 states. The global legal cannabis market was valued at $13.2 billion last year. There's three steps to become a certified Gangier. There's the online courses, there's the in-person training, and then there's passing the three exams. So it's safe to say this is intense. This is some real studying and work. It's thorough, it is rigorous. The program was put together by a panel of cannabis experts and covers areas like history, botany, cultivation, and business. Students are required to travel to Northern California for two days of intense in-person training. It was something that I really wanted to do, to have like a formal education in cannabis. Most of these figures, they're all kind of on that same level um, in this world. You know, like LeBron James is known for basketball in his world. They're known for, for cannabis in their world. Students get tools to help hone their assessment skills, like a jeweler's loop. So holding it up to your eye, um, and then what you do is you take hold of your object and then you will bring it up to the loop until it comes into Ooh. focus. Whoa. Wow. And this kit teaches students how to differentiate between terpenes, the chemical compounds that give plants their smells. Close your eyes. You tell me, was this the first one or the second one? The first one, beta caryophylline. Your palate has begun to be trained. To earn the official title of Gangier, students have to pass two written exams and an in-person exam, where they walk a teacher through a cannabis assessment. If you become a certified Gangier, what does it mean? We have um, students and now certified Gangiers in all parts of the cannabis industry. People who are looking to enter the industry and are looking for a valid credential, you know, to help them in that process, to CEOs of companies, to directors of sales uh, for some of the largest cannabis companies on the planet. And as the industry continues to grow, there's hope programs like this will legitimize it. This is a legacy that we want to put into the cannabis industry to bring professionalism to cannabis, bring it out of the shadows, to give it the spotlight it deserves. And that was Savannah Sellers reporting. And the program tells us that they are already enrolling the next group of Gangiers. Oh, like sommelier? Mm -hmm. Yes. Got it. it. Gangier. We'll be right back. <laughs> Goodness, time flies.
guys when you're having fun. That's all for our show this morning. Tomorrow on the third hour of today, you don't want to miss our big race when we buddy up at the go-kart track. Stay tuned for Hoda and Jenna coming up next. We will see you back here tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.